Hey, Stephen, how's it going? <laughs> I'm good. How are you doing, Dan? Not too bad. Hey, uh, thanks for being with us today. Uh, we're going to continue our conversation about value and innovation. And to start off, I wanted to ask you, outside of an edu educational context, when you hear the word value, what are some of the things that you think about? Um, I think about uh, what are you willing to put your time into? Like, what are you willing to <clears throat> uh, stand up for? Um, go the extra mile. I'm totally putting on a lot of cliches here. Um, <laughs> so, so pretend you're, I don't know, maybe you're going to the store and you're looking for the new sweater. Uh, uh, right. I mean, those are the characteristics that you're looking for uh, right. that you... Um, put weight behind um, I think of I mean mostly when I think about value I think about the personal investment that you are that that the um, items or the characteristics have for you so I actually I really to me this just drives home the idea of uh, the the personal and local rather than the global uh the global piece it's the connection cool. to the individual yeah yeah i really like that that personal investment um so how do you how do you measure that um well i with many of the phrases i use you could do it based on energy like the amount of energy that you're willing to uh, that you have put towards something um you know, and similarly, if you haven't spelled out your values or thought about them, then you are kind of potentially valuing things that you don't inherently value, right? So uh, you might be investing in and backing and, uh, you know, into in things that you don't actually, you haven't aligned within yourself or you haven't actually thought of. So I, I, I could see effort being one easy way to kind of measure value. Um, right, which could be time, or it could be intensity, maybe. Yeah. I, I Wow. Um, we could spend all day sitting here <laughs> chatting <laughs> about valuing things we might not value. But I think there's uh -huh. a lot of there's a lot of insight in there and how we measure that's really, really key. And if we've never thought of that, um, you're right, we could be in spaces that we're putting a lot of things that look like we value right. um, something when it might not be a value. Um, so obviously we're here with OLC, so we're thinking about this as in an educational context. What sort of ties do you see with some of those uh, hallmarks you just gave us? Well, um, so thinking about it from an educational perspective, I guess uh, there is a a maybe an a uh, an easy connection between objectives or outcomes from a course, um, and the assumption that that's what you as the instructor value, um, or some institution values, uh, and I think it's also a a kind of implicit plea to students to value those things as well. And, right, I think we, we run into issues when 
we have those assumptions that students will value those things. And so like thinking about like universal design for learning, you know, there's a, um, one of the things that the, it's kind of the main pillars is this diversity and engagement. And so thinking about um, how your content may be valued differently is one of the ways that you can increase engagement uh, more broadly, right? So I think that there are a few mechanisms in there that are uh, definitely relying on values and trying to align how students and, and um, instructors are laying out values. And I guess you could also then tie it to authentic learning, right? Where as the instructor, you're trying to tie the values and experiences of students to an industry or to a direct link to the quote unquote real world. Yeah. Yeah. And I really like what you said in, in the very beginning too, where you talked about the, this level of personal investment. Um, and I think that's, I think what you're kind of talking about now you're using all the educational buzzwords, uh, which uh -huh. is great. Um, <laughs> Probably but really, not great, but great, great, not great. Um, Great, not great. Uh, we all understand it, but <laughs> that creating something that students feel personally invested in, uh -huh. I, yes. I, I think is one of the things we, we've been looking at. Um, so we're here with the Innovation Studio and we're trying to take this year to, to think back on what is innovation really. Um, and I think in a lot of spaces, we, we talk about the value of innovation, like it's got to be innovative, like that's a high value or one of our metrics for success. Right. Um, but we're trying to deconstruct it because innovation really is about value, mm -hmm. either creating new value, reassigning value. Um, and so we're almost kind of deconstructing it. And in the process, we have to reconstruct uh, this notion of value. Um, right. So I think it'd be really cool to hear about some, some things that you are working on now. Um, I know you're preparing a course for next year. Uh, maybe you could give us a, a brief overview of the course and maybe a little bit into how you have been exploring uh, what you would perceive to be the values in this course for your students. Right. Um, so I am, I am developing a new course uh, for summer and it's called Drawing to Learn Biology and it's a science course for non-scientists. And we have um, a set of competencies that uh, our center is trying to get across. Um, but I think uh, this is me trying to actually live out a few values that I've been thinking about um, actually for a few years. Uh, so I'll say first off, like the course is, is what it looks like is, is it's an online course where the entire course is um, having students go out and do um, both nature journaling as well as uh, drawings that help with visual model-based reasoning. So they might do, um, you know, uh, concept mapping or models like a, <clears throat> excuse me, in environmental science, there's like a poet model where you're mapping out like the people and the organizations and the uh, environment and technology, and then you see how they interplay, right? And so it's basically getting them to um, go through this process of creating visuals, which is 
in many ways, like creating metaphors, which really helps them to synthesize information, <clears throat> to synthesize information and to, um, you know, recast the information in a different way. And so it, it, it engages them on lots of uh, pieces. But to me, the, the, the value that it really resonates with is this idea of a personal experience um, and having students think about the personal value of doing this type of work. And so, you know, some of the exercises are having them do drawings, which makes them slow down and do observation, which I think in science, a lot of times we don't do. Like we just skip to the data analysis or the data collection. And, and so this is, in my mind, this idea of just kind of being able to be quiet and to look and to kind of hone those skills in a journal fashion and something that's incredibly personal. And so um, to me, like one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot for years is like this drive to put yourself into a global market or to um, always be actually kind of trying to pitch the new innovation. Um, when really, I think it's actually more about the personal. So the idea is that um, this idea of being innovative is really about understanding your own kind of personal um, mix of all of the skills and all of your knowledge and how that can play out in a, you know, in, in a new way for other people, but it actually just makes sense to the person who's actually doing it. And so, um, yeah, so to me, it's, it's kind of this shift of thinking about the innovation as being something you just turn on as opposed to it's something that you kind of find within yourself. And, and to me, like this drawing and science piece is new. Um, it's not new. It's, it's something that like I've been very interested in, but it's like a new form for me to take in my teaching. It makes sense for me because... I have done freelance illustration and um, done, you know, art science overlaps and, and things like that. But it's taking this new form for me and it's taking a new form for a class, right? So I'm trying to work out what does assessment look like in this case. And so there might be some innovative things that come out or there might be a new approach of technology where you're able to better translate a sketchbook into a digital file for students to share and discuss. So, you know, like there are potential innovations in that, <clears throat> but they're kind of wrapped around this personal journey of how do you use the arts to, and the sciences in a very personal way that you can then um, build off of. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. So, so to clarify, it's a drawing for learning biology, but it's for non-science. That's right. People. And it's also for non-artists. <laughs> yes, right. Yes, totally. And so what's funny is at first I was like, oh, this could be really appealing to all those people who have fear of science. And then about halfway through the planning, I was like, oh, no, I'm just adding those who have fear of drawing in as well. <laughs> so so no uh, one's an expert on anything coming no into one. this. No one, it's just going to be like one big ball of anxiety. 
that's what awesome. the class is going to be. Yeah. But I think as I'm trying to to kind of assess what, what your value, so obviously the drawing is important. It, it's part of who you are. The science is important. It's part of who you are too. And, and you want to pass this along to the students. But this this really interesting value of slowing down and reflecting. Mm-hmm. Is that something, do you have a strong personal practice in this? Or is this class maybe a way to like almost kind of dreaming like, oh, it'd be really cool if I did this a little more. <laughs> um, well, I would say that, okay, we're in kind of unfamiliar territory that I haven't thought of that aspect specifically. Uh, but I would say that it does resonate with me as an individual and in that normally I view myself as a slow thinker. And so like, Many times I feel like things are just thrown at me and I have to like create a bubble in order to like have a moment to think about something in order to be productive or be um, useful in whatever context. And so um, I do think that there's something about that in this course where it is, and Honestly, like uh, I, I'd be lying if I didn't say like the pandemic didn't have like this uh, component of wanting students to have a moment in nature or, you know, it, it can even be urban ecology, right? So just being outside. So like I am interested in this aspect of being in an online course, but not being online and, um, you know, it maybe harkens back to correspondence courses, but it just is interesting, I think, of like, how do you nurture a student? And in this case, I think nurturing would be not having them be on Zoom, to be outside, to have a moment to actually observe nature. And so not that it won't have meaning uh, in a normal year, but I think it might have extra meaning in a, in a pandemic year. Yeah, very much so. Um, and so thinking about some of the tools. So again, I think we've established the value really well. And you and I have talked a little bit, obviously, about, hey, what, what kind of cool tools can we use to, uh -huh. to do this journaling in an online, in an online asynchronous sort of way? And we've, been, we've come up with some ideas. But maybe you could maybe branch out a little bit. So what are you looking and, and maybe in terms of the slow reflection part too, is that a component of a tool that you're looking for or an approach um, to journaling? How do you help facilitate that? Yeah. So I would say that most of the tools that I've looked at are how to connect student images to other students for uh, peer review and editing and thinking. So, um, cause I, yeah, cause I think most of the digital tools are really about speed and efficiency. And so they don't necessarily lend themselves to like, um, maybe, uh, more contemplation or, you know, things like that. So I haven't really been looking at them for production, although like thinking about giving students options of like, you know, you can do a digital book or you can do a, 
uh, like there's lots of uh, pieces in me that, yes, I'm going to give you lots of options, but inherently I'm actually really interested in them having a physical book. And I know there's probably some technology people out there who are cringing being like, why they could use an iPad just as well. And believe me, I'm right there with you. But in thinking about this personal and slow and kind of um, contemplative piece, there is something about like the physicality of materials that like, even as a person who loves technology and I love my iPad and drawing on my iPad, like nobody's business, but honestly, there is something about like the scrape of a pencil on paper and um, and actually one of the things that I'm playing with now is, um, you know, potentially doing foldings in the notebook, you know, like where you help to scaffold, um, like one of the things I'm thinking about is like, uh, students have a hard time thinking about evidence and claims and reasoning. So they get the evidence and the claims, but they don't get the reasoning piece and the importance of that. And so I'm thinking about how to do like a folding, a couple folding pages where uh, it helps to scaffold the idea of claims and evidence, and then having them think about reasoning, connecting the two. And so anyway, there's something about the physicality and the manipulation of it that I'm hoping to also leverage. And, and so like, yes, I, I should say, <laughs> I know I totally went. Okay. Yes, no, but, but yes, I think there, there's the something right there. Like, yeah. Hey, folding paper can be innovation. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Right. I think we get caught up sometimes in, in me personally too, this happens that when we think, oh, I have to come up with something innovative. It has to be innovative on a global scale. No one has ever done this before. Right. Um, when in fact, it, it can be, as, as you've said, a couple of times the, this personal or local context yeah. hey it's not something i've done before it's not something i've done with my students so this yeah. is actually innovative here in this space yes yeah and okay so to me that's actually another benefit and, and this is actually like a personal thing like one of the issues that i have with both science and art is this pressure of being able to be innovative at the scale of being able to contribute to science with a big S, knowledge, body of knowledge and art with a big A, um, you know, and this idea that you, as opposed to, yeah, as opposed to this personal journey of like, um, of learning at the same time that your students are learning, right? I mean, I think that that's the piece that both feeds your desire to be innovative as well as, um, you know, continues along that journey. So to me, like, as soon as I turn it personal, I don't worry about like how others will perceive this because this is actually like my own journey. And so like, I, that's why I have kind of like uh, gone to this idea of the personal as being more, um, uh, the better focus for me, because that's what I, actually allows me to move forward. Because if mm -hmm. I think of it on a larger scale, I actually shut down and I'm like, I can never do anything innovative and why bother? Right. <laughs> so, right. yeah.
No, it's focusing on Stephen with the big S, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. But I think the, that is what drives innovation largely it, when you're focused on the personal and then all of a sudden that makes sense in a global context. Um, right. Sometimes we set off to do the big things and sometimes it's just the small things and they end up being big later. Right. Um, right. And we had no clue. Yes. So you mentioned a little bit in the beginning about assessment. And I think this is always one of the hard, hard things to do is how do we assess maybe some of those values? So obviously you, your class is kind of your values embodied in this place and students come to it. So how do you, how do you measure, like, do they value the same things that, that you do? Uh, do they right. value different things? How, how are you planning on, on assessing some of that? Um, I'm assessing it partly through, it's not about meeting specific, um, uh, like, they're not graded on matching my values. They're graded on trying my values right so and actually the values i mean the values are embodied in the um, the information and the challenges that i lay out for them but um mostly i actually don't care how they're applying so the thing is like i'm not trying to meet specific learning outcomes with regards to like students need to know all of the components of climate change it's actually more like they know how to reason and they know how to find uh, evidence-based um, information to root their arguments in, right? And so like, I think I'm freed up, like, so I don't care necessarily if they walk away with specific information, but that they actually have skills that they can represent in their, uh, in their drawings, right? And so, or, you know, it's not all drawings actually, I'm uh, building off of um, John Muir Law's book on uh, how to teach nature. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, sorry. Uh, I'm building off of John Muir Law's and uh, Emily Ligren's uh, book on how to teach nature journaling. Um, you know, and they have a whole section in there about um, you know, that is not just drawing, it's also writing and also including numbers and, and interpretation of numbers, right? So, you know, I'm building off of their work um, and so like, I think that those are the kinds of the things, uh, they just have to show me, right, that they are engaging in those questions and that they're backing up their, uh, their, um, their claims with evidence and reasoning. So I think I'm not going to be grading them specifically on those values, but I think what's interesting is that I'm also incorporating um, some concepts by Joe Feldman on his grading for equity. Uh, he has a grading for equity book, uh, which is new to me. Uh, basically, he has a bunch of uh, research and philosophies about how our grading schemes may not be equitable and they may um, have some inherent bias built into them. So I'm trying to take some of those concepts and tie them in to making sure that my assignments are 
measuring the learning that's going on and not necessarily just about you know participation or things like that so it's actually this weird balance of like i'm trying to uh, map out their learning piece but not have it be about participation and um and yet their participation is <laughs> needed i don't know i haven't worked that piece out yet but i'm trying to weave in these different components that i really believe in and i find interesting so <laughs> so yeah. that was probably a yeah. super no I, that's that's the hard that's the the wicked problem we have, right? Mm -hmm. um, where we do have to assign grades. Uh, we do live in that system. Um, and I see you're valuing some things that are really hard or not gradable in an easy sense. Mm -hmm. um, cool, Stephen. Well, thank you so much for sharing uh, with us today. Uh, I would have just one final question, kind mm -hmm. of looking towards the future. Uh, what advice might you have for someone else who's kind of looking at trying to implement some of their values, whether it's in creating a course or in instructional design and program development? Um, what would what would you say to someone else who's who's starting on this journey or continuing on this journey? Um, so I think what's a little bit challenging about that is what I've benefited, benefited from is um, trying to release fear of like what my colleagues would feel um, or how they would interpret it. Um, and the thing about that is that, you know, in some ways it comes from a privileged piece of like how much security do you have in order to really explore space. Um, and, and ideas. And so, and I know that not everyone has those, um, those freedoms. And so to me, like, uh, it's hard because I, I would say that the thing that limits me the most is fear. And, and so if you can, and it is actually, I mean, you, you have to evaluate your own environment to know like how, how much space you have in order to explore. Uh, but, but do that and then don't let fear guide you. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's one thing, like, I think those are two steps, like figure out what space you have to explore. So I'll say like early in my career, one of the things I was trying to um, help students with was subject anxiety in science. And so like I tried like, what does it look like to have comics as a mode for reducing subject anxiety? So where students might engage more with the material and actually learn more, but it has this, this, this look and feel that is not, and I'm gonna say this, rigorous, right? So I really hate that word in academia, but that's what it looks like, but it still had the effect. And so like, you know, I was able to show with data that there uh, were really positive effects, but I really worried about how my colleagues would view my um, my work. And so I think that to me, that's, you know, just an example of like how fear could actually lend you to lead you to not go and explore that space. But in the end, it had all of these positive effects on students. And so it's like, you know, um, 
again, what do you value? Do you value uh, how your colleagues view you? And I know it's a balance. Or do you value being effective <laughs> with students? So, yeah. Sorry, that, I know that was a probably not. I don't have like a simple answer for that, but I do feel like a lot of people have very innovative ideas about how to do things, but the 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 structure, and it's not it's not inconsequential. Like figuring out how a new approach fits into. Uh, very established uh, approaches is is not is not easy, and um, I would say it also has a student cost. You know, the fact that students have to navigate a new system, and they also have to trust that you are not just putting them through these hurdles for <laughs> because you think it's fun and cool. And they're going to have to bear the brunt of getting a bad grade in this non-traditional class because uh, you're being innovative right yeah right that's nothing i mean it like comes that. at a cost interesting yeah. cool yeah well i would always say especially for anyone in those contexts where you don't have the freedom to completely develop something on a large scale always start small totally that's one lesson great one yes. module, one day, um, and see <laughs> how it goes and build from there. Yeah, totally. Um, yes, that's a great piece of advice. One I find difficult because when I'm trying to create matching curriculum, <laughs> I'm always like, oh, I must have a full, yeah. I think that's probably something I could learn. So mm -hmm. thanks, Dan. Yeah, of course. I taught <laughs> uh, Spanish for a really long time, and the the curriculum I was working with and the program was a lot more limited. So my <laughs> ability to innovate, quote unquote, or bring this new value was very constrained um, from the outside. So I kind of so you started to, with a lesson, and I'd start with one day or twenty minutes out of a day, even. Okay, we're going to do this yeah. one. Try one thing and try to kind of start testing it out and then be able to bring it to other people and say, Hey, I've yeah. done this for a long time. This works this way. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a battle. So <laughs> that's a great, I think that's, I mean, cause there are so many people who are working within established systems. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's a, a great piece of advice. Yeah. Cool. Well, Stephen, thank you so much for, for sharing your values with us today. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking with you. I'm probably going to chat with you later and see if I can sit in on your class this summer. Um, as well, it's not a scientist or an artist, I think <laughs> I'm the perfect candidate. Perfect. You'll have to let me know how much you're uh, dreading and fearing each exercise. All we'll right. use that as actually our measure. Yeah, we can have this like dread meter of Daniel. That's right. that stands over here that students can see that'd be awesome our trago score the trago score yes. <laughs> that sounds very scientific doesn't it It does doesn't it i think we can do it awesome yeah. cool well thanks so much right. thank you cool. dan all right